From your local Houston BMW Center Studios, welcome to the Public Affairs Podcast, addressing local issues that affect our nation and shape our world. I'm your host, KG Smooth. I'm your co-host, Brother Larry Jones. And KG, you're looking well, sir. See you following the COVID-19 rules and masking <laughs> and gloving and of, of sanitizing. Course. You know, yeah. each each day it's, it's something new. It and, is. Um, yeah, we'll talk about that uh, a little later. But uh, we've got one of H-Town's best. Mm-hmm. A young man who has, uh, since I've been here in Houston, um, I have seen him on the ground trying to make change throughout Houston, throughout the youth. Right. Um, and he is a member of the National Urban League uh, Professionals. Uh, my man, Ray Shackelford, is on the Public Affairs Podcast. Good morning, my G. Good morning, KG. Good morning, Funky Larry. How you guys doing? Doing well. Doing well, sir. Thank you. Holding up pretty good. How about you? You know, every day is a, a different day in this uh, current pandemic, but I'm doing well. I'm healthy, uh, and I think at this point that is one of the top priorities and uh, things that we all can ask for. So the National Urban League Youth Professionals, um, some people may not even know that the Urban League even has a, a youth professionals uh, arm to it uh, as a part of the whole league. Um, tell us about that and, and, and what it is that the young professionals do. Yes, sir. So most people are probably more familiar, as you mentioned, with the National Urban League as a whole, uh, which actually turns 110 years old this year. Uh, But in 1999, the National Urban League Young Professionals was established actually here in Houston, Texas. Uh, It was born out of the conference that took place, and it was out of a need that they saw to create a pipeline of young leaders within the urban league movement, but also within the community overall. And so here we are now, 21 years later, uh, over 6,000 members strong across the country in more than 60 major cities. And we're continuing to support the work of urban leagues across the country through volunteerism, advocacy, philanthropy, but also developing our members to continue to provide a pipeline of leaders uh, not only within the Urban League, but within the community as a whole. So, Ray, let me ask, uh, what's been your Urban League journey? How, how, did this, uh, how did this infectious thing get to you, and, and, and when did you develop this interest in this community give back? Where, where'd that start, Ray? Uh, well, I think it started with my mother, actually. She um, worked for, at the time, and forgive me, I can't remember the exact year, but it was CEO the Houston area urban league at the time, Sylvia Brooks. And my mother worked for her. Mrs. Brooks suggested that she bring us to some of the programming. So, you know, as a child, and I'm sure with both of your mothers, my mom would make me and my brother go to urban league programs. Um, and that was my first introduction as a new life. And then coming home from Morehouse college, um, she felt like I needed to be doing something positive. Um, I was out here, you know, with my first good job, making money, not using it wisely, uh, spending a lot of time partying, et cetera. And so she actually paid my membership uh, in April of 2009. So it'll be 11 years this month uh, since I've been a part of the Young Professionals. Uh, And also during that time, I was 
actually unemployed. So I went through their job training program to help me with uh, my resume and got me back on track. And I actually started working there in the fall of 2010 while in graduate school. And so it's, it's been a constant progression from then, from there, uh, starting under Sylvia K. Brooks and working for our current CEO, Judson Robinson III. Um, and actually, it was late one night when I was working. He came into my office uh, and said I was going to be president of the Young Professionals. He was talking about the Houston chapter uh, at that time. And, you know, I was like, I don't want anything to do with that. And here we are 11 years later, and I'm already been the Houston president, now the national president. So my journey uh, has been very, very interesting, to say the least. And I've essentially grown up through the Urban League. Well, first, forgive me for um, not introducing you properly uh, as the president of the National Urban League Young Professionals, um, right? That was uh, that was all my bad. So all the respect and my apologies for that. Um, so what are your roles uh, and, and, and responsibilities as the national president? Uh, well, it changes um, under normal circumstances. Uh, it would be primarily serving to provide the vision for the overall organization, giving guidance to our presidents and leadership across the country, making sure that we have strong relationships across the young professional chapters uh, with the affiliates that we support, but also within their respective communities. Uh, being that national voice for our young professional movement, uh, and even during times like this, uh, being able to provide as much guidance as I can during a time of crisis uh, and also motivating our members, coaching them through different situations that they're encountering. Sometimes it is something as uh, simple as, you know, how do you work with a difficult situation with uh, somebody on your team? Because uh, we have members that range in ages from 21 to 40. Uh, and so some of them may not be as experienced, so they may need more coaching and guidance as it relates to, you know, how do I lead a team? How do I hold a formal meeting? How do I sit down with, you know, my city council person or my congressperson and discuss this policy issue that's important to our community? Uh, and so doing those different things, being a voice, uh, and I think also providing that example, even just yesterday, uh, I testified virtually uh, for commissioner's court for a small business loan program that Harris County uh, approved on yesterday and is now being rolled out to provide support to local small businesses. So making sure that I'm providing that guidance, being an example, uh, but also serving as a national trustee on the board of the National Urban Leagues on behalf of the young professionals. So uh, it encompasses a lot. It's basically, I describe it as being the CEO of a uh, national volunteer organization because a lot of people don't realize we do not get paid uh, as volunteers. Mm -hmm. So, Ray, let me ask uh, your your story and your testimony for me is is one of passion. I, I, I'm 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 happy to have the experience to speak to you today, but I'm also curious about the amount of pushback you must get from individuals in that age range you just brought us, 21 to 40. What 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 part of your story entices them to want to come on board and be a part of your organization? Yes. And, you know, currently we're in a very unique time frame because we encompass three generations. The majority of our membership, uh, which I fall in, is millennials, 
uh, Gen Y. We also have some from Gen X at the top of our membership. And then bringing up the rear, we have Generation Z. And so it's a very unique time in terms of uh, what our membership actually encompasses. And I think the thing that uh, endears our members to me, uh, and I think you touched on it, is my passion for the organization, my authenticity, uh, and the fact that I'm not going to ask anybody to do anything that I'm not willing to do or I'm not already doing. Uh, and so I'm a firm believer in that you lead by example, making sure that I not only have done the work in the past, but continue uh, to do the work and be that example, working side by side with my leaders to make sure that uh, they see it's not just uh, posturing. It is very much about the work. And I think they've also seen the growth and development, those that have been around that I've experienced over the years and who I am now. I think, well, I would hope that even KG could attest to the fact that uh, since we first met to now, uh, I've grown and matured and become an even better leader than when I was initially. So I think all of those things speak to uh, our membership, speak to young professionals, uh, but also I think the opportunity for them to connect with a group of like-minded individuals, young people that are doing something positive, especially, you know, in a very virtual era uh, with the advent or the, the COVID-19 coming into play even more. They're looking for that connection. Uh, and We've been able to provide that. The culture I've looked to develop is very much that of a family. And so, you know, when people move from different cities, uh, they don't know anybody, you can always find an urban league. You can find somebody there to connect with, to get you involved in the community. Uh, and I think all those things bring people to our organization along with uh, being able to develop. Mm -hmm. Yeah, um, I would agree that, yes, um, you have definitely to grown. Like, to see uh, the glow up from when I first met you back in 2014 to um, where you are now, you set a high um, example of what it is to be a president. And so I'm, I'm sure, Unc, I know for a fact that uh, the members under his leadership are going above and beyond because – he goes above and beyond. As I said earlier, when we first started the podcast, like I, I see him in the streets. I see him on the front lines, like trying to make things happen. And so I know that if the members see that, like, man, if the president is out here doing A, B, C, D, E, F, G, what makes me think that I'm not good enough to do that yeah. work or that service? Well, well, you lead by that example, and it all starts at the top. So all eyes are on you. I watch the way you dress. I see if your shoes are shined or you got on your work overalls, you got your gloves. I'm watching how you do what you've asked us to do. And I'm in line with you. I've bought into this because of something you said. But to see you out front leading as leaders do and being consistent to your last statement, KG, mm -hmm. is a testimony to uh, Mr. Shackelford and his position. It's the National Urban League's Young Professionals. So, Ray, speaking of COVID-19, ha has that change well i'm sure it's changed some the way you do some of the your meetings and 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 your your your, your gatherings um how take us through a day of of your new technology uh urban league how, how are you guys getting involved and in, in what are your resources so yes it has changed dramatically um i mean obviously we were already engaged on different platforms from a social media perspective and 
in the virtual world, but it has uh, intensified and everything has shifted completely to those platforms. And so uh, we utilize things like Instagram, Facebook. Actually, last Wednesday uh, was it April 1st. On Census Day, we had a Census Day blitz. And that was inspired by DJ D-Nice. I think we've all seen him and how he's had the viral videos on Instagram Live. Uh, and so that sparked the idea to leverage that uh, to make sure people are engaged around the census, which is one of our huge civic initiatives for this year in 2020, uh, the decennial census, to make sure that people are being counted. Uh, and so we had in excess of uh, about 3,000 viewers that engaged us. We had DJs from across the country within our membership that participated. Uh, and it was really a great experience. We had people jumping in and out of different Instagram live uh, DJ rooms. But again, it was all about the census. And so really getting our members excited about Census Day. Uh, also, we have Google Hangout that I leverage for my own team. I have uh, 14 team members across the country in every time zone. We meet via Google Hangout. And we've always done this, but even now, we're leveraging the video functionality more because, you know, we're not seeing people at the same rate. So it's important to see people's faces. Uh, we're leveraging the Zoom technology uh, for educational purposes. I'll actually be on a town hall later this evening in partnership with uh, National Association of Black Engineers. Mm -hmm. And we'll be leveraging Zoom to talk about the CARES Act that passed at the federal level, how it's been impacting our communities, what it means. Uh, for our communities moving forward. So leveraging all of these different things, and even when it comes to one of our activations, like a, a YP Fit, which is one of our fitness programs that we typically have done in the past around mm -hmm. March Madness and made it a challenge to mm -hmm. where we're going to see, you know, which chapters can get the most steps collectively, and they advance similar to the NCAA tournament in a bracket style. Well, you know, March Madness was canceled. Uh, we have a lot of these stay-at-home orders, increasing restrictions in terms of how people move. And so as a result, we've had to completely shift our thinking with that uh, and create an entirely different challenge where it has people working out at home, uh, focusing on the amount of water that they drink, different uh, elements from a nutrition perspective. And so we are still finding different ways to engage people. And not just from a programmatic standpoint, but also as it relates to maintaining their overall mental health. Yeah. Uh, that's definitely something that I've been very sensitive to and trying to make sure that our, our members stay focused on that as well. Because, you know, you have two different spectrums of the pressure that people are feeling in terms of uh, it seems like I'm on more conference calls than I've ever been before. Um, and people are trying to fill your day with all these meetings. And there's also the pressure for people saying that, you know, this should be the most productive time you've ever had because you have these this time at a standstill. I don't subscribe and to that, that philosophy. Right. And I, I don't either. But you, there's definitely pressure out there um, and people are feeling that. And so the thing we just try to make sure is that our members are, are happy, they're healthy, um, they're taking care of themselves first and foremost and not uh, succumbing to those pressures for the people that are saying that if you don't come out of this starting a business or mm -hmm. something to that some degree, new talent or something like right. 
Yeah. yeah. And so I know you've seen it on social media as well. Um, but yeah. those are just some of the things we're doing uh, to make sure we're continuing to do the work, continuing to engage people uh, and making sure that we're doing our part, even in the midst of the pandemic. Well, that's very important because, as you mentioned, the pressures of that. And I'm just like, nah, bruh. I am focused on staying healthy and keeping my family safe from, you know, this COVID-19. Like, yeah, we're going to have times, but there's so much more than that. I mean, people aren't even working. Yeah. And a lot of us already had lives going in and out of this. So there are family members there. there and from my personal standpoint, KG, there are two grandchildren that I have to mm-hmm. keep engaged while we're doing all this. So. I've put on my teacher's hat again, and 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 we've become a a, a, a new generation of of caregivers. So, but Ray, I wanna I wanna I wanna extend a virtual handshake to you, man. I I, um, I like the way you talk. I like the words that come out of your mouth. I hear steady positivity. I hear strong leadership and a vision and a young man that's focused. And I just want to give you props right now. You are. Uh, you are where you should be, and I'm proud to meet you. Yes, sir. I appreciate that. Yes, sir. I do want to um, uh, talk about National Day of Service real quick because that is another mm-hmm. um, thing that you all do in the springtime. And so with, you know, all of this, of course, <laughs> coming together to uh, promote uh, STEM um, isn't going down. How are you all um rolling that out uh, due to COVID-19? Yes. So, again, we're having to pivot and make an adjustment. Uh, the focus Back to the Zoom year, and all of that. Exactly. Um, the focus this year is around diversifying the tech pipeline. And so I think we know, you know, obviously tech has been a booming industry. Uh, but when it comes to diversity, it has been significantly lagging. So you have different reports out there and the numbers vary slightly, but when you look at companies like Twitter, Google, Facebook, uh, less than 5% of those companies, tech workers actually identify as black. And when you look at Silicon Valley as a whole, Mm -hmm. blacks and Hispanics make up anywhere from three to 6% of the workers, uh, women of color are 1% or less. And so there is a serious gap when it comes to technology, even though you could argue that African-Americans and minorities are some of the highest users of technology. Um, And so when we're on the consumption end and we're not benefiting uh, from the industrial perspective, that is a major issue. And so trying to do our part to make sure that we're exposing uh, young kids, young black kids to tech-based jobs at a young age. And so, The activation uh, has had to shift, as you mentioned, with us not being able to physically interact and mentor with the kids. And so we will be doing some Zoom activations across the country, uh, exposing them to how to code, uh, but also with the advent of the DJ uh, phenomena on Instagram and whatnot, showing them how they can also engage in that from a virtual perspective. Uh, we'll also be partnering with an organization that week uh, to make sure that we're bringing additional attention to what's needed. Uh, and I'll be actually speaking on a virtual panel around the importance of civic engagement. And that's with the Global Youth 
education organization, and they have an entire week of activities, uh, and it just made sense for us to partner uh, because one of the other things and we haven't really touched on is because of COVID-19 and the coronavirus, everybody is shifting to virtual. And so now people are being inundated with content. Um, and so we found it very important to partner where it makes sense, be very strategic uh, with how we roll out these different things, just because, again, everybody's on virtual, everybody's pushing out content, uh, but how are you making sure that the information you're pushing out still is being looked at, uh, still being engaged with. Mm -hmm. And so that's just one of the things we're doing uh, from a strategic standpoint, like I said, those partnerships to make sure our content is still being seen by the public because it is important when you're talking about engaging from a STEM perspective and a civic perspective. Indeed. Ray, we appreciate our time with you today. We're going to wrap it up right here, but I will give you uh another two or three minutes to express anything you'd like to express about your organization on this podcast and give out the information. Yes, uh, sir. How the young professionals can get at you. Absolutely. Uh, the young professionals is an amazing organization. Uh, I'll be a member 11 years this month. Um, and I think I am a testimony of, you know, what an organization like this can do for young people that are trying to develop, uh, looking for direction, looking for family in a sense, just people that you can connect with that are doing positive things in your city. So you can find more information on our organization at nulyp.org, and you can reach out to me directly at president at nulyp.org if you would like to partner with us, support the organization, or just learn more about us. And I would be remiss if I did not uh, make sure that I told people to please, please, please complete the census. There's been a lot of misinformation that April 1st was the last day. That was not the last day. That was just National Census Day. You have until August 14th to complete your census. Uh, but if you don't want people coming to your house to knock on your door, complete your census before May 7th. And you can go to my2020census.gov. It takes less than 10 minutes. It's very quick. Yep. And it's probably the only thing you can do in under 10 minutes that brings hundreds of billions of dollars back to your community to do positive things with. Uh, so please take time to do that today. KG, Funky Larry, I appreciate both you guys, what you're doing uh, with the radio station, what you've been doing, making a positive impact on our community. So thank you guys for this time. Thank you, sir. You're welcome. Appreciate you. The Public Affairs Podcast will continue right after this. From your local Houston B&W Center studios, welcome back to the Public Affairs Podcast, addressing local issues that affect our nation and shape our world. I'm KG Smooth. I'm Brother Larry Jones, and it's good to see you, my friend. You too, as well. Um, our young people out yes. of school right now. Yes. Everything is, you know, this Come. is, as Dr. Trim said, this is normal now. Yeah, it is. It's no new normal. And and the telelearning and the using of the technology to view stuff is it's different, but we're embracing it and we're getting better. And we have a guest coming up, uh, Ms. Krista, who deals exclusively with young folk. Tell us exactly what you do and the name of your group or your your group is the Amigos? Yes. So I am the Bay Area Director of Amigos de las Americas. Uh, we're based in Houston, and we've been in Houston since 1965. We work specifically in youth leadership and service 
in Latin American rural communities and have been doing so with young people for 50 years plus. It's uh, been a remarkable adventure for me. I went and did our programs when I was a teenager, 16, 17, 19, and 21. And then I was pretty thrilled when my boys, who are 15 and 17, also chose to go on the summer programs last summer and in the summer of 2018. So I've lensed our programs both as someone who's done them, someone who works for the organization and invites families and young people to join, and then most recently and kind of poignantly as a parent. Um, it's also interesting. I'm married to a middle school teacher who teaches seventh grade history. Mm. And I'm watching him go through the process of learning new levels of video and online literacy to connect with his 160 students and create this new normalcy, this new way of connecting and staying relevant and present for young people. So young people and staying connected and, and this moment in time is is deep in my life and in my day-to-day. -day. So I appreciate you guys having a chance to talk about this on your show. Well, just a side note before KG jumps in, I want you to know that your husband, a seventh-grade history teacher, just took me right back, Mr. Moore, at Charles Carroll Junior High School, KG, and he said one thing that has stayed with me all these years. He said, the more you know, the more you don't know. <laughs> wow. And I said, huh? He said, yeah, because once you learn a thing, I said, well, I didn't know that. <laughs> so right. you know it. So here we are with you. And uh, go ahead, KG. Let's get started. Well, I, when I was reading up on you all I, and reading about the summer programs and the trips that you all take to South and Central America, which is uh, cultural immersion trips uh, for the teenagers, I thought to myself, like, well, I want to do that as an adult. I mean, because I've been with this, you know, this um, on and off uh, relationship with learning Spanish. But, uh, you know, I, I've been told that, you know, total immersion sometimes works. And so this just sounds fascinating. But I know that you all are also uh, a little anxious um, that these programs have kind of come to a halt due to uh, COVID-19. So mm -hmm. one if you could expound on the incredible fun that you all have when you do go on these uh, cultural immersion trips and um, how you all are dealing with uh, COVID-19, kind of throwing a monkey wrench into our daily lives and way of living. Yeah, I, thank you for asking that question. And it is something we're working on nonstop in our organization. You know, the interesting thing about Amigos in 1965 is it was really an organization born of a pandemic itself. Uh, mm. In 1965, a youth minister named Guy Bevel saw what was happening in Central America with a polio epidemic. And he turned to his youth ministry and said, I think we can do something here. And they literally created a caravan of vaccines and teenagers who were trained to become uh, able to inoculate and immunize and they went down to Latin America in 1965, and they felt so empowered by the work they were able to do that from that was born our organization, Amigos de America. So we are lending this uh, as like, okay, pandemic, we've seen you before. <laughs> and because we work so deeply in the space of young people, and because so many of uh, the leaders in our organization are young, I think the thing that I want to really convey is like, 
working with young people is working with natural disruptors and innovators. Mm-hmm. They're less committed to how things have been and much more curious about how things can be. So we've been for years thinking about how we're going to shift our programming. And this is really just an opportunity for us to think about how we're going to work more virtually in the immediate future, but also figure out how we're going to address the needs of the communities we work in in Latin America in the future. Another really great thing to know about Amigos that I'm proud of is that we work with Latin American youth who are in our volunteer program as well. So when Amigos goes down to communities, we never come in um, to help or change. We come into a place of listening Mm. and curiosity. Mm -hmm. We want to know how communities are managing their own resources and how we can add value to the work that they are already doing to support their communities. We always want to come into a place where we're looking to elevate work that's already being done and how we can add value to that work. So we work deeply in communities and we work with Latin American youth. So we're thinking two ways about this. How do we continue to bring young people to Latin America, but how do we continue to support our Latin American leadership and youth leadership that's already in community? And honestly, the ideas that are coming out of our young leadership are amazing, creative, I, I'm excited to what we're going to build, and I'm not, I'm not anxious. I see this as being opportunities because I work with young people who always see disruption as opportunities. So, you know, if I have one message is that working with young people is always a joyful experience because they don't bring the same anxiety and the same attachment to the past. They, they hear the theme music, and they figure out creative solutions much quicker than someone who's a little bit older like me who gets a little attached to things. So I feel when I watch the news, I get anxious, but when I go to work, I feel lifted up. Krista, they are free spirits. So anyone listening to the podcast, can you give us your website so we can see your good work? Oh, delighted, yes. If you ever want to find us, you can just simply Google Amigos de las Americas. But if you're looking for the website specifically, it's www.amigosinternational.org. Are there certain communities that feed into your program? How are your students chosen, uh, Krista? You know, one of the things I love about Amigos is it is not a competitive program. It is not a program where you need to get letters of recommendation. We don't care about what your GPA is. If you, if what I'm talking about sounds compelling to you, then we want to have a conversation with you about how you can join. Um, we have deep levels of accessibility and affordability options. We have financial aid that comes from all sorts of sources from foundations, schools, individuals. Uh, What's exciting for me in my role is that there is a wide open pathway for youth to come into our program. We have programs um, for ages between 13 to 22. We have programs where you need to have Spanish and programs where you don't need to have Spanish. So, you know, there's, we want young people to know that we want to elevate them, bring them down to communities, 
learn about what's happening there and how they can add value, and then come back and be a change maker in their own communities here. Mm-hmm. This, is, this isn't about going and changing another person's community. This is about building the skills and the capacity to come back and make change happen in your local community. Because global citizenship, I think, in my opinion, and in Amigos, we don't think it's about taking a selfie at Machu Picchu or getting a lot of stamps in your passport. We believe it's about the development of empathy at a young age and curiosity, and then taking that into your local community, then into extended community, and finally bringing that same caring into a global community. So this isn't about traveling around. This is about traveling deep inside and then bringing that forward. Yeah, and that's a great foundation builder for a young mind, especially with that, that, yeah. that free spirit energy you were talking about. We're so proud of you proud of your organization and we really want to thank you uh, for taking time to speak with us today. KG? Yes, thank you so much, Krista. And uh, but what's your social? You know, everybody is uh, we're doing all things Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, Zoom, you know, every, everything is now You know what, digital. if you put Amigos, that's such a great question. If you put Amigos in, you're going to find us. Uh, we've got 30,000 alumni across the United States and across the world. So just Preston Amigos, you're going to find us. We've got tons of Insta going on, lots of stuff. Our social media team is fantastic. Uh, I'm a little old for that team, but I love them to pieces, and I just get super excited by what I see what they do. And we want to shout out you. Thank you so much for this opportunity. Like, really, the work you do, it's innovative. It's, it's putting positive messages out there. Sometimes on dark days, these acts of kindness to each other are exactly what we need. So thank you for letting me do this. I so appreciate you. Oh, well, you're more than welcome. And this is this is what we do. So uh, don't mention it. An open invitation to come back on the podcast. Krista Bisco, the director at Amigos, we really appreciate you. All right. Y'all have a great day. Thank you. So, Unc, with this and incredibly unprecedented time um, that we're in My God. Um, a lot. I feel like a lot of things are being exposed. Yes. Even though, you know, I know that God is in control. Yes. Um, and as painful and difficult and hard that this is, I also feel like there's some good that is going to come out of it on the other end. I, I hope and I pray and I really do feel that we will treat this planet better, that we will treat each other better um, as human beings, uh, be more kinder. Um, the things that's, that are being exposed, I believe, are things like how the earth isn't moving as much. The outer crust you know, has stopped because of all of the movement people in LA saying like this is what it took for us to get clean air I was that gonna, everybody had to just about to hit what you hit in LA because I, I saw this on one of my feeds the other day and the air was clean cleaner in LA for the first time in years the smog was gone the smog was gone and the, that because of the stay home in uh, stay home uh-huh, uh-huh. Uh, work, work policies safe. yeah mm-hmm. that are in place we're using less fossil fuels and we're mm-hmm. less pollutant in the air and the entire earth is taking a big sigh of relief. Sigh of relief right now. And, and, and what is being exposed is the everyday people that work, that the government and these corporations do not want to pay what 
they are deserved because <laughs> minimum wage has not changed in 20 years. Correct. What is being exposed is that how important and viable they are and that they need to be paid. That minimum wage has to go up $15. They should be paid. And I, I know the, the pay is coming, but I believe our point here is that the, the, the caregivers, the people who do this from the goodness of the heart mm-hmm. without a dollar money. number being attached to it. So am I going to give less care because I only make $15 an hour as opposed to $25 an hour? No. I signed up for this. I'm a caregiver. I'm going to sit with you while at this point in time in your life you're dying because of COVID-19 and your family can't even be with you. You can't. That's, that's... Isn't that crazy? I mean, we, we have we have men and women who are literally sitting with our loved ones to be with them through their last breath on this earth because of something they contracted that they had no control over. And all that emotion mm-hmm. is just, I, I don't know how, well, I know how they do it, but it's amazing that they do what they do. And, and, and it goes without, regard they do it because they care about the people they signed an oath uh to do it and and they care and i am so concerned about their safety especially when we now know that it still isn't enough adequate equipment and materials for them to protect themselves um and it's slowly getting to them and and it's like if they get sick, right, then what? Like it's going, it's just going to continue. It's yeah. going to be that whole snowball effect, that domino effect. Yeah. Uh, I'm trying to find this uh, video that I want to share with you. Oh no, I, uh, I, I from I, a I, nurse. I'm with you. I'm with you. Uh, right. From a nurse who actually quit because her supervisor wanted to put her on the floor with a bunch of you know, COVID-19 patients. And she's like, you know my medical condition that I'll be very susceptible to this. One. Two, you know my situations with my kids. I can't be away from my kids for 14 days if I end up catching it because you put me on this floor. Like, I don't have it like that, like where you guys can pull your kids out and they can have, you know, a nanny or whatever it is for two weeks. I don't have that luxury. So I choose my health and my kids over you and I quit. That's why I applaud people like Governor Cuomo, oh, the Sheila Jackson leads of the world, Mayor Sylvester Turner, leaders who step out in front and demanded that we get the proper equipment and paraphernalia for our medical workers. Mm-hmm. It's just it's it's almost unfathomable to think that you would allow young people to go to work in these environments and not give them the protection they need. How? It's 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 an odd it's an odd thought. Yeah, it is my it's my yeah, it is it's my numbing. I you know I know there are a whole lot of conspiracy theories out there of how this came about. If it, if if it really started in China, some say it started here first. Some say that it's being caused by five G towers. I don't know what in the world that is about. Um, um, but all we know is that wherever it originated from, right now, it's putting a hurting on everybody. If you're 
if you've had it, if you've went through it, been in intensive care, if you know people that have died from it, if you are affected from it financially, that you have lost your job or have been furloughed or permanently laid off, it, it doesn't matter. It's affecting us all. Yeah, it, it's it's a death virus. and you, People want to put names on it and call it stuff, and that doesn't matter because it doesn't stop the virus. It's death, and it's whether on purpose or it got out of hand or it got into something that it shouldn't have, it's here. And we press that the sooner we can get a virus, or if there is already a virus out that some of the conspiracy theorists think there is already, release it, fix the planet, fix these folk, because there's, there's just so much. Um, <laughs> I don't trust um, if the vaccine is out there, like this whole hydrochloro, whatever this thing is that 45 is pushing. Mm-hmm. I don't uh, trust it. And then it, and then it came out that he has stake in the company that's making the, the vaccine. Well, so it's all about the money at the end of the day. That so, should have been the first I opened so for a, anybody. So, they, he gets in front of a thing, you know there's a financial end on the back side. Come on now. That's, that's A. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's A. Yeah. B, now that we're seeing... How blacks are disproportionately affected by COVID-19 here um, in the United States. And, you know, I do believe that this is a man-made virus that they continue uh, to mutate. Um, But Dr. Fauci, who has been amazing and a man that I trust, I listen to him. You should. You should. When he got up on, uh, on Tuesday... And talked about the situation in Detroit. Yeah, or yeah. just with African, how we Blacks need to address yeah. um, the health disparities in the African American community. Period. Because we are making up seventy percent of the deaths of Corona uh, of COVID nineteen, is because of all of the other health issues that we have as Black folks: hypertension, high blood pressure. You know. Um, you, you name it. You know the gamut with oh, us. Obesity. You know how it goes. And so that's why when he said that, I was like, oh, man, he's right. And then he went on to say, and until we address the health issues in the African-American community, like nothing's going to get better until we get to the root of it first. Right. And then we can combat the other things. And we can we can encourage you to change your diets. Yeah. We can encourage you to drink more water. We can encourage you to, to, to eat to, fruits to and eat, vegetables and and take the supplements that mm-hmm. uh, uh, the text doc reminded about, about the, the extra amounts of vitamin C and the zinc and the zinc. elderberry. Yeah, yeah. All okay. all yeah. of those help play into to help build up your immune system. But if you don't come from that, you know, if all you've ever known are these high fat foods, foods and, and processed foods processed and foods. Yeah. you know i i am in a unique position and, and i've been having this conversation with other people from my generation because i had to tell some of the other the, the older folks on uh, our facebook live like look i need to get y'all generations right okay because a lot of things that y'all blaming on gen x and the millennials it's not us it's gen y and it's gen z <laughs> you you know where, where, where am I in that? Cause I, <laughs> I never understood any of those labels. <laughs> I, I I believe Generation X uh, starts from like if you were born nineteen seventy five to you know nineteen eighty 
six, eight, something like that. Gen X. And then if you're Gen Y, the millennials are from like 86. I just got a text. I'm a boomer. I'm a baby boomer. Oh, you're a boomer. 53. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, boomer. You're a boomer, but. um, But I listen. I, I pay attention to, you know, this. This is important to me as a child of the 60s and who came through one of the most unique times one two generations removed from slavery and Uh and the lynching era of the georgia alabama mississippi louisiana all of that the jim crow no voters rights to some voters rights to uh the fair act housing act of 68 that Uh you know vietnam war that's what i survived so to and i have a child that's 36 now uh-huh. So she's in one of those gyms, one of those things. So I'm 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 deeply concerned about how we 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 message each other, how we how we continue to share information and and listen to one another and pay attention to each other. And we're doing that now because we're stuck. And I'm glad I I, I I had a dire feeling that human interaction was that we were losing that because of technology and social media. And now that we have this physical social distancing, it's funny how we are coming together. People are calling each other now because it was always, oh, I can't get together. I can't talk. I'm so busy. I'm doing this. I'm running, running, running. Boom. Now you got to sit still. And now the time is there. Let me remind you what my friend KG Smooth said at the beginning of this podcast. God is in control. Oh, yes. See how he worked everything around? (laughs) There is an answer to this. There is an answer, my friends. It's always a pleasure. I'll see you next week. Thank you, sir.